Welcome to this edition of Hold My Clipboard. I'm your host, Chris King, along with my co-host, Tori Dugan. We are brought to you by Nara Studios and our executive producer, Kim Caparo. So episode six today, um, we are cruising. And for all of you guys that are tuning in listening, I want you to know I am on the anesty arm of the shoe swap right now, laying in the sun on the beach. So this is pre-recorded. I don't think people need to visualize that. Okay, I'm with my kids, skiing, tubing, ripping it up. Uh, regardless, it's summer. It's and summer. I'm in Lloyd, you know, just smelling the oil in the air. <laughs> no oil. Canola. But regardless, uh, this week, Tori, a couple of great guests coming on. Um, first, we have the newly appointed state men's head coach, Matt Daly. Uh, Matt obviously was at Edge Prep last year, uh, was also coaching with Genesis, and was assistant coach um, last year when State won the national championship. So um, he's going to be our first guest today. Our second guest is going to be Bill Bradley, who is now in his fifth year at Northwest Polytech coaching the women's team. Um, Bill's going to talk to us about uh, the retention of his program and kind of what's going on um, moving forward with the Wolves. Um, what are you looking forward to, Tori, um, here with Matt as he comes up and talks about the State Trojans? This is one episode that I'm really looking forward to because taking over a dynasty. Dynasty, with it Nate, is. Um, yeah, I just want to, I'm so looking forward to hearing his thoughts and I guess how he's feeling taking over an insane program like Sate. So, yeah, I'm really pumped to get to know his thoughts and where they are at this preseason. And then Coach Bill Bradley, obviously, a very. Very young team, um, rebuild stage for a few years now. Um, yeah, just looking forward to seeing where his team's at and if they've added anyone and where he's going and the direction, what direction he's going, sorry, um, with the local kids especially that he's got in his squad. Yeah, it's uh, dynasty is the right word for Sate. They're, they're the Lakers of the ACAC. Let's let's be honest. Uh, okay, Celtics. <laughs> Come on. Lakers are way better than the Celtics, but uh, we can disagree on this. But let's. Oh, I'm right. Don't even get me going. But yeah, keep going, man. Let's listen. Beat to it. LA. Beat LA. I don't think. When's the last time the Celtics beat LA, bro? 2008. Check Kobe's ring list here. All right, bro. But before Kobe. Okay. We'll, talk, we'll talk Larry days. Okay. Well, now that I'm angry, let's listen to our conversation with Matt and see what he has to say about his newly appointed. Head coach job at State. Welcome to this edition of Hold My Clipboard. Today we have the State Trojans men's basketball new head coach Matt Daly. Matt has been a player on the East Coast, played his whole career out at UMB, and then immediately went into helping the coaching staff, and then worked his way up to associate head coach Matt at one point over yep. there. Uh, Matt has now been out on the West Coast. I don't know if we consider ourselves West Coast. Let's just say straight up prairies in the prairies. <laughs> Um, he's been, uh, coaching at edge, uh, and at Genesis, and he's been an assistant coach the last two years with the state Trojans. And now he's taking over, you know, the vaulted program, uh, the six time champion. So Matt, welcome to the show. We're really glad to have you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's exciting to be here. So now good. I know you got a super busy summer. You're running all over to club tournaments, AAU and stuff like that. So we tried to make this work a couple of times and, uh, between you and I jump into the States, uh, it's tough to track down. So we're going to squeeze you in tight and make sure you get on your flight on time. Does that sound fair? Sounds good. Sounds good. Okay. Uh, I guess first thing uh, Tori and I were talking about pre-show is um, last year, obviously hosting nationals, and I'm taking your guys' tips here on this since we're hosting next year. Um, you guys knew you were hosting the whole time. So it was all about building to March 
just for that one weekend. Um, your team started a little bit slow, went three and seven the first semester. Second semester, you got some guys back, injuries or otherwise, and it really started to take off and peak at the right time. Just walk us through kind of how that first semester went and how the team was building and how you guys felt internally heading into that second half. Well, you know, like it's it's funny because the first semester would be the definition of a roller coaster. It was <laughs> it was right away. Uh, we we knew we had the talent. We knew we had the people. It was about trying to get it together. And from day one, the coaching staff kept telling it's about playing our best three games in March. And that's all yeah. we're focusing on. Uh, we know we're going to be there. So for us, it's about figuring out whatever we got to do to be the best version of ourselves at that time of the year. Um, obviously whenever we started losing our first game right away, that wasn't really what we were expecting. Right, it was like, right. okay, we, we thought that was we, Matt, Matt hat game. Was that the game? Yeah, really, the really? Yeah. Game. Yeah. Actually that was my first head coach because Marty was suspended. <laughs> right. Right. So, that was a so, crazy game too. I think, I, I think Tori and I watched it. It was yeah. a crazy one. Yeah. It was, it was not what we expected. That's <laughs> right. for sure. Um, I know Marty after the game was like, well, Matt was like, <laughs> I was like well, <laughs> but, uh, and then, we weren't really sure. We thought maybe, okay, like fairly new team, young guys. Uh, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. And then as we kept losing games in the first semester, we were like, okay, something's something's going on here. But obviously our roster was put together and we knew after injuries and after other reasons at Christmas, we were going to have our full team together. We were practicing together all. So in practice, what most people don't know, in practice, we looked very good. Right. <laughs> we were like, okay, this team is like an actual national championship team. But when we went to the floor, at some games, we only had nine guys. Is it injury? Right. And we were right. like, well, this isn't the team we're talking about. Uh, so I would say in the coaches' meetings in the office, there was some back and forth. And we were like, what are we doing? How, how, how are we going to make this work? But like we kept saying, three games in March, best three right. games in March. If we can get there, then we'll be in good shape. And uh, I'm interested, did the guys feel that as well? Like when you're having those practices and we've been lucky enough to have a couple of those teams and I've played on one of those teams where you're like, there's dudes all over. Like, you know, there's dudes all over. And then you get to the game and you're only dressing eight or nine guys. Did, did the players know or how did you guys talk to the players about that process? I think it was more about our, our leadership knowing. Uh, Charlie Connor, who obviously won five championships in a row or four right. championships in a row at this time. This was a new, like new area for him. He was like, we're losing games. <laughs> like, why are we, we're three and seven or we're, why are we, why are we yeah. where we are right now? And uh, he, he was one that we had co countless conversations with. And then Marcus Masters, who is still new to the program, but obviously stepped into a role where he was one of our main, main guys. It was about talking to them about this is what we see and them being like, okay, in practice, we see these guys who are coming. We're going to be in good shape. It's just we got to make sure we're not too far down the bottom of the, the ladder before we get to where we got to be. Right. Well, and it was interesting with your guys' slow start. I think everyone in the league knew it. You know, I'm on the women's side, but even on the women's side, we knew, like, <laughs> Sate's going to be strong near the end, right? Um, and you could see that snowball start to happen in the second semester. Um, we watched – you know, we watched our guys, we watched a lot of the men's playoff games this year because we were out of playoffs and we we're shitty. Um, but um, when because you guys like building up, it made you and Keanu collide in the semifinal matchup, which most people would say 
you know, if you're looking at what should, if you're guessing at the beginning of the year, you're guessing those two teams in the final is your guess, right? Um, maybe just uh, touch on that uh, semifinal matchup because you guys did play your best games in March, but you guys also played really well down the ACAC run and in playoffs there. So talk about the playoff run, I guess. Well, we knew we were going to have like, so there was like the end of the season was crazy, right? All around the league. Uh, There were some buzzer beaters happening for other teams. We didn't think we were going to get the two seed. We like, we shouldn't have got the two seed realistically. If you look at what happened in that last weekend for us to get there, Uh, I think St. Mary's was playing red deer and then uh, Grand Prairie was beating people. Like there was some, there were some wins and losses around the league that everything went our way in that last two weeks to get us to the two seed. Right now, when we got that two seed right away, it was like, we have to see Keanu early. And obviously blessing and a curse, blessing and a curse. It's a blessing and a curse. And I, like we had the coaches meetings were like, well, maybe this is the best because the pressure's on them now. Right. Because we're going to national anyway. They yep. have to beat us to even get there. Yeah. So, uh, and obviously they beat us by 30 twice, I think, during yeah, the season. Earlier in the year. Yeah. They got you pretty good. <laughs> like, they they pumped us. They like <laughs> they 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 gave us they gave us the work two times during the year, one in preseason and one during the year. So uh it was kind of like we knew everything had to come full circle and right. everything we did led up to this game. So it was okay, like you got to be ready for this game and they're a familiar territory. We knew, we know their guys, like we played them last year in a championship game. Yeah. Similar strategy, similar game plan. And it was everything almost led up to that. And it almost did feel like a championship game in a little bit. So it was kind of like that weird vibe about it. Uh, the hype was huge. I w- I'll have to check with Anthony and the ACAC to see the views, but I would bet the views were extremely high on ACAC TV for that one. Yeah, I think our I think our celebration for that win was a little bit more intense than even our national title win. If you watched the video, <laughs> right. yeah, the way, way we were running around. So, yep. I yeah, I want to stay on that game because I was over in Australia um, working at that point. And I had on my phone the box score and I was texting one of uh, my former teammates about like, wow, are you, are you watching this? Like, what is going on? Because just back and forth, that last two minutes was crazy. But um, when I was able to watch it, I went back and watched start to finish and I thought Keanu were untouchable all season. They were obviously playing at a very high level and most people I would say, like you can never doubt, say obviously with the winning calibre and whatnot, but I thought the Keanu were going to roll over some teams. Uh, But then it just goes to show that with championship and winning experience, people when you've done that, you know how to win. Um, but speak about your two stars, I will say, Marcus Masters and Charlie Connor, because 26 points from Marcus and 22 from Charlie, they were the two guys that obviously came up with massive plays down the stretch. And Marcus Masters hit an insane top of <laughs> top of the key three that I was like, there is no way this is going down, which I thought was the play of the tournament because Keanu were kind of, I think they were up three at that point. Uh, they were um, two at uh, that point. So yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, just talk about that final two seconds because I, watching on the box score, I was like, what is going on here? Well, I think you can't even go to those two seconds without like Charlie Connor, that kid, like what he was able to do in that game. So he had 22, but I think 
12 maybe in the fourth like it was (laughs) it was his takeover and it was it was cool because like i've gotten to know charlie pretty well and like he's an older player so i can have kind of some grown-up conversations with him it's not exactly talking to a 16 year old kid um he at a point in the first quarter whenever we thought keanu they took like a 10 point lead yeah and he hit a three and they called timeout he came into the bench and his leadership took over he was like these guys aren't that good we can beat these guys we are just as good as these guys we can do this like you get it was him the whole time out talking to the guys we can do this we can do this and when you have a guy who's been there and has four chances on your belt other guys looking at him like yeah okay (laughs) we we can do this yeah um and then again in the fourth they took i think they took like a 10 point lead again or a nine point lead and he hit two deep threes back to back yeah. And scored a layup. Like he took over the game in the last two and a half minutes. Yeah. Um, and then obviously we got to the point where Charlie took over, we got our stops. And then Marty, Marty, we had play a play that we drew up all year that we had. And Marty last in the timeout was like, Hey, we're going to put a wrinkle in this. We've never worked on the wrinkle. We've never done it before. He's like, Hey, let's try it. Next thing you know, we score, we score on the wrinkle. Charlie gets a layup to tie it up. And without even us even kind of celebrating, they come down and score right away, like in four seconds. They inbound it and go for a layup. And we're like, everyone was kind of shook. Like, how did they score within three seconds of us just tying it up? Uh, and then we called the timeout. And credit to Marty, he grew up, he drew up another wrinkle on the same play that we just did in a different variation. And it was like, this time it's going to go to Marcus. Yeah. And I mean, Marcus Masters, that's why he, that's why he is who he is. That's, it's uh, fun to watch him every day. And obviously you put the ball in his hand and hope that you can make the play. And he hit a tough shot. You can't say that it was an easy shot. It was off the dribble, fade away a little bit. So once he hit that, we knew. And it's only credit that Charlie Connor took a charge yeah. right after that to seal mm-hmm. it. And yeah. that's those two, you can just say those two in the fourth quarter. I don't even know if anyone else was playing at that time. It was just, <laughs> we had some good contributions from our young guys, Qual Qual. Some yeah. other guys really stepped up on the defensive end, uh, but those two really just took over. Yeah, and it it seemed like um, it was Sean Michael Clancy versus you guys at one point. <laughs> that that was basically the whole fourth quarter. He had thirty two. Um, obviously, he is the player of the year for a reason. But yeah, no disrespect to St Mary's, but when you guys took that semi final, yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty pretty clear that you guys were going to go forward for your sixth straight. ACAC championship but sticking with those two players Marcus Masters and Charlie Connor going into nationals um, obviously those two carried quite a bit of the load of the team but one player that definitely stepped up at nationals was um, your guy from Quebec Mark Denot Gabriel I watched all your nationals games and he was just huge in big moments, but also he just came to play in the first quarter. It was just like, I remember, I think it was the semifinal game in the first quarter and he was just a monster. Um, Definitely. Uh, yeah, he, talk about his contribution in nationals. He might be one of the most competitive players we've had around where it was like uh, first semester where he was not playing yet. He was kind of laid back a little bit, just kind of feeling around. Where do I fit in? How's this going to work? Um, he played a lot of center and forward before he came to us. Uh, and we were playing him at the guard spot. So it was how figuring it out. Sometimes he was always sticking around waiting to bring the ball up. And we we're like, no, get out and run. Let's see what you got. And, uh, 
once he got on the roster and once he was playing, I think his first game was like a 32 and 14 game in yeah. his first second semester. Yeah. And he right there, we we're like, okay, this guy's special. Like we, we knew what he could do. Uh, and we just knew, we knew he was going to show up because of what he did was so consistent. He didn't depend on the shot, the three point shot. It was, I'm downhill to the rim on the boards. Like we knew what he could do. And I just don't think there was anyone that had a chance to stop him when he was in the right mindset. And like you said, at nationals, there was no one that was stopping him. It was no. all three games. He was, he was a force. Yeah. He came in and 18.1 points per game in the second semester. So monstrous semester there. Nice ad. Nice Very. Ad. <laughs> um, yeah. Marcus did what he needed to do in nationals, obviously very talented player, all Canadian for a reason. First team, um, first team all-star that tournament, I believe. Yep. Yep. But uh, fast forward to the final game and Charlie Connor in the third quarter. That whole edit, shout out to Kim Capra from Nara Studios uh, documenting all that. But that third quarter where he just took over and he was just like, we're not losing. This is our year. We're going to get the ship. Talk about that takeover because that is something that I've I don't think I've ever seen before from a college standpoint. It, it's really exciting for Charlie. And I'm so happy for him because it's been an open conversation about that, not that missing national title. It's for him. I mean, you get four ACAC titles and you really haven't had a medal at nationals. So it's, yeah. it's, it's been that missing thing and the whole build up for him. You can see he was ready for it. you see at the end, even at the end of in the March, like his build up. To, to, to nationals was this guy's locked in this guy's ready to go um and his relationship with marty was was so special because marty knew that at these times marty could see it in his eyes like it's time to let him do what he does and <laughs> it was exciting because in that third quarter is he just hit one shot and i could see marty just being like give the ball to charlie and get out of the way and unleash the beast <laughs> when when you have a guy like that who like little unorthodox shot it's not it's kind of like a little bit different super smooth but just not a typical and get the ball to him and he was crossing people up and he was hitting shots and you could see it that he was locked in and uh, his family was there to watch him and it was just a special moment for him you could see you could see everything he was doing for the last five years paid off finally and it was special for him yeah, and obviously what he has been through from a personal standpoint um, with some loss in his life, like, yeah, massive kudos to him. I personally think he is one of, if not the greatest, ACAC player to come out of the conference just with how much he's achieved. But another thing that stood out to me was... drop a goat reference? Did you just drop the goat on him? <laughs> hey, I just, we, can. we can. I'll drop it on him. Every yeah, once okay. in a while, That's fair. You can't tell him to his face. You can tell, you can see it on here, but. <laughs> yeah. But he was, he was able to go on and win the championships, most valuable player. And then you have Marcus Masters and Mark Denot Gabriel with first team All-Stars. And then you had a second team All-Star in Quo Quo. Four players from your team that were able to grab All-Stars. That just goes to show um, how well your team played together and that anyone on any given day or game at that national tournament was able to step up huge. So. Yeah. It, it was it was great for them four because you could really see that those four really took that leap. And it's a shout out to the rest of those guys because uh, May and May, uh, May, May, and he came in and had some huge blocks in our semifinal, had some huge rebounds. Phil Ivanovich yeah. came in and hit some big shots. Like 
it was one thing we always talk as coaching staff is after the season, looking back, we had not a single time where players came in and were complaining about their role or how much they were scoring or how much they were playing. And that's something that that's a national championship team right there. That's a special group where everyone knew what the goal was and everyone knew what they had to do to help out. So shout out to all the role players and all the bench guys. They did exactly what we needed them to do. So you lose Charlie going into this season. Oh, you bring, you got to bring that up. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know, go under a new identity, bring him back. But uh, I'll let Chris talk about uh, your recruiting and what's that, what that's looked like this off season. Yeah. I think, I think, what you said there about the guys getting on board and, and we've mentioned this before coaching both males and females. I do find winning solves a lot of problems on the men's side because they quickly fill in the roles and they want to be on that train uh, on the women's side. Sometimes it doesn't solve the problems, um, which is, which is an interesting dynamic. Um, but with you guys hosting and knowing that you're going to be in that championship, it sounds like as a coaching staff, you guys did a good job of being a piece of this, for March and everyone's got to contribute in some way, whether it's on the floor or in practice, right. Making you guys better. So, you know, I think you guys did a great job before I get into your next year's team. I'm super interested. You coming from the East coast and playing U sport. Um, I don't even think it was U sport when you played. Was it still like, it was U sports. Was, yeah. was it U sport then? Okay. Yeah, there you yeah. go. When I played, it wasn't, it, it was wasn't. Canada. Oh West. no, I played CIS for CIS. Yeah, yes. For yeah. Okay. Four by five. I think maybe the last year I might've switched. Yeah. Before the cool name came. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So from you coming to the East coast and coming out here and working with Sate and edge and Genesis, what, what is the biggest takeaway you've seen in the ACAC coming from out East? Um, Cause totally different league, totally, you know, 15 teams. Talk to me about what maybe what you expected and what it's actually like being involved in the ACAC for the last couple of years. It it was very surprising because obviously being in the U Sports world, uh, you know about U of C, right? You like, and they were whenever I was playing, they were winning national champ. They won a national championship and they were in the final. So like, I knew a lot about the U Sports world coming out, but um, little about the ACAC purely because as a youth sport coach, you're recruiting at the CCAA level, but you're mostly getting the local guys. You're not broadening out to out West. Really. You go as far as CJAP in Quebec, but you don't keep going right. really. Um, so when I got out here, my first surprise is how many elite level players were playing in this league. Right. Like yeah. it just wasn't, that's not what I'm used to seeing. Like, LDs typically you have one or two guys that can play uh, for whatever reason or looking to move up or academics or certain certain reasons that they're there. Came out here like there's people like Charlie Connor who are, in my opinion, could play at the U Sports level if they wanted to go there, but they're happy where they are and they're winning and they're doing that. And like you said, 16 teams like. That's that's unheard of out there. Like we have eight teams in the whole in three different provinces or four different provinces. Like right. so it was just kind of the bigger scale of it. Guys like guys like Charlie, guys like Sean Clancy, guys like guys around the league who are, wow, like you guys could be playing at the next level, but you're where you where you're happy and you're fitting in here and you're having a career that's gonna benefit you long run regardless of where you are. So I think it was just a little eye opener to how good the ACAC was and kind of credit to what they've built here a little bit to get these got get these get this talented players in and build the build a league. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of dudes in the ACAC that could easily play U sport 
I do think it's really, and, and you go through this with the recruitment of athletes. I think it's important to find the right place, right fit for, for each of those, um, you know, a guy that's dominating here could dominate in U sport, but maybe it, it's the fit. Um, and if you look at the top teams, uh, men's or women's last few years, like the top end teams, they compete very well with the bottom end of U sport out West. And there's just so many teams. The thing that I love about the ACAC men's is like every night, someone's coming to get you and especially you guys right being so yeah. strong it's just circled on the calendar you know everyone's got state on the calendar they're, they're coming for you guys and that's the litmus test and you know credit to marty for you know what he's built you guys are now the the 90s bulls essentially right everyone's trying to topple you guys so with you taking over this this dynasty here um what does it look like coming in with these new guys um how's the recruiting going so far we are in the summer so I'm sure you're still in the process of adding, but is there any guys that you want to highlight that you guys have coming in or even players coming back that might be um, looking to take a huge step forward for your program? Well, we're lucky enough to get uh, Marcus Masters back uh, and still has two huge. years left of eligibility technically and Qual Qual will be back as well. Awesome. Um, which is, look out league, is, look, look out league. <laughs> <laughs> two huge uh, guys coming back, which is great for us. And then I think it's time for some of those guys that were, in the second roles to really take a neat next step, right? Uh, yeah, I've talked to many players that were coming off the bench and playing good minutes for us who are excited to come in and finally, hey, it's a little bit my time now. Um, some younger guys who are now in their third, third year, fourth year, who are ready to come in and contribute a little bit more. Um, and then my job is to add the right people around them to help us get back to where we are. Um, I always say, I always say, I love you, Marty, but you kind of put me in the hard spot. There's pressure on like, we, it's like, you can't, it's not normal to win this many championships in a row. So <laughs> it's, it's credit to Marty, but now I got to keep that rolling and got to make sure we're in the right spot to do it. Uh, we recently signed some local Calgary kids. I think are going to be huge additions for us. And we're looking, we're still looking. And obviously at this level, if you can get the right players and, as a coach, it's more about getting out of the way than it is about doing anything else. So right. we're going to keep going with that. Uh, so one import spot is filled right now, currently? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. And that's such a, you know, men's or women's, if you look at the top teams, those imports are so huge to accent the Canadian pieces because uh, there's a lot of good Canadian talent, but that kind of puts it on the next level. Tori, I'll let you keep going with the recruiting. I can see you biting your tongue here. Uh, not quite on the recruiting anymore, Chris. We'll keep that hush-hush. But uh, we will kind of get your thoughts on we've spoken to other coaches, men's coaches more so, and we've asked them their predictions for the year, um, any dark horses that have come through. But the common theme has been on the men's side, anyone can show up and on any given time. Um, but I'll ask you to see if you have the same or differing opinion. But do you see... Um, any any team that you might think will take big steps forward this year, um, what you predict for your team maybe, or, yeah, give your early predictions for the 23-24 season. Like we were just talking about, I think anyone can beat anyone on any given night. Uh, I think we're going to have a target on our back, so we're going to get everyone's best game. And as a competitor, you want that. You want everyone's best game. You want to show that you can beat them when they play their best. So, um, I know that St. Mary's has a lot returning, so I think they're going to be in great shape. Lethbridge is hard-nosed, hard-working shooters. I, I can never count them out. I'm so impressed every time I see them. Just 
Um, and then there's other teams around the league that you like Red Deer was good last year. Yep. There was a couple other teams on the rise. I just, I mean, I'd like to say that we're going to be this much better than anyone else, but I can't, we just went three and seven for a semester. Like I, I can't, I can't sit here and be like, Oh, we're going to wipe people out. Like you never know. And you never know. And you just have to be ready to go. And it's going to be a long year. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a roller coaster ride and you gotta be ready to play everyone, no matter who they are on any given night and make sure you're playing the best you can. This past season, we saw the North and South go back to playing one another again, instead of sticking to just the North and just the South. Give me your thoughts on that. Are you a fan of mixing both together or would you rather go back to straight North, straight South? Where do you stand on that? No, I like it. I think you, it's, I think it's the best that you see everyone at least once. Um, It's good to see the North. Obviously it helped us. I think a little bit seeing Keanu before playoffs, like, if that was the first time we played them, they might have pumped us. Who knows? Like we like right. it'd be just the first time. Uh Lakeland's always good on the boys' side. Keanu's always good on the boys' side. And you can never like Augustana at one point was up 35 on us in the first quarter when we played yeah. them. Ended up losing in overtime or losing by two because we came back. But there's teams out north that you have to see because if you catch them on the right night, they're gonna they're gonna be just as good. Like it's like we said, like this league is no slouch. I think anyone can beat anyone, and there's a lot of good teams. You go to Concordia, you go to Kings. We've been down in those gyms. So you have to get out there, you have to see these teams. Nate, Nate was great this year. I expect them to be good again. Baker's got some players coming in for them. Uh Grand Prairie has Manny, who might go for 50 and 40 one night. You don't know. <laughs> so he's just it's it's good to see the north. Uh, obviously you see the South a lot more and you're kind of more in their world a little bit and seeing the standings, but uh, I think it's good to see everybody at least once and kind of get a pace of when you match up with them, you have an idea of what you're seeing. It's not fun to see a team for the first time ever when it matters, like it's winter to go home. So one thing we forgot to mention uh, with your team this past season was you weren't actually in your home gym. You guys played in the Jack Simpson arena for the university of Calgary. How, how was that? How was that with like getting, I guess, a decent fan squad? Was there any change with that? Uh, yeah. And you obviously hosted uh, nationals at that gym as well. Well, I, the hardest part was not practice. So we practiced in our facility, in our state facility. So all our practices were still in our home gym, but because of the construction, there was no games there. So the hardest part would have been like, we felt we had a home advantage in the state gym. Like that's, that's our gym. We've obviously been successful there in the past. And then I think the first semester at U of C, uh, I was laughing with Marty talking about it. I think we only won one game at home in the first, the first semester. Like I was like, maybe U of C is not our gym. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe the Jackson is not where we want to be, but he was like, well, it better be because we go, we go to nationals there. So <laughs> um, I think it paid off in the long run where we got comfortable in that setting. We got comfortable in that gym. Obviously, like as a player, you get used to the rims, you get used to the floor, you get used to things and you can, it's, it's an advantage. Uh, and I think in nationals, it showed when we were shooting 70% from three in the final, I think it was like, okay, this is our gym now. Like, and you fit in. I, I think that paid off in the long run, knowing we were hosting there, playing a lot of our games there. You get that familiar, familiarity, but it was, it was challenges, but obviously it's something we got to deal with and it's we're excited for the new gym to be built uh, and we got to deal with it until that until that comes now that uh, that gym is a huge discussion in our household so 
I played at UofL. I hated that gym. Uh, <laughs> always made fun of it. So we would go, and my wife played at UFC. So she loves the gym, uh, loves the UFC gym. But we would go in that gym and get rolled by 30. And then UFC would come to us the next night and we'd win by 20. Now, I will say Leftbridge gets a little bit of home cooking refing. I can admit that as, uh, nice. as, <laughs> as someone that played there. But uh, it is a tough, it, it's a tough place to play uh, with all the colors on the side and stuff like that. And it's just a different feel. Now, next year, though, from what I understand, you guys are in the SAIT bubble. Is this correct? We are playing in, uh, from- in the bubble. From my understanding, we'll be a mixture. Some games in the bubble, some games at Jack Simpson as okay. well. Uh, even last year, we played a couple games at Edge. Okay. Yep. So we're, we're wherever we can see fit, wherever most feasible and find the gyms. Uh, yeah, like it's almost like every game's a road game for us. So <laughs> and, and as a player and as a coach, you kind of know going into road games, you have to have a different mindset and it's a little bit more uh, yep. underdog competitive. And I think that's good for players to have to deal with all year round. So we're going to be on the on the road if we get the playoffs where we want to be. So, yeah, it's good, good, good practice. How was that? How was that travel for you guys last year with the North South? Um, you know, with us being outsiders here at Lakeland, we got to drive everywhere. I I love the North South as Tori kind of alluded to, and you kind of hit the same thing. But travel wise, how how was it for you guys? Because you guys did make you guys hit us in Keanu, um, right? And then you guys would have had your regular South trips as well, right? Yeah, so the regular self trips are pretty quick turnarounds. Uh, we did do the Keanu Lakeland trip. I actually got to miss that one because I was away with Edge in the States. So How convenient. Yeah, sorry, Marty. <laughs> I, he had to do that bus trip on his own. Um, but I had to go to the Briarcrest one, which is the tough one, like, and you alternate there. And then we did the Kings. Like, we did the Edmonton ones. The travel's not bad. And, I mean, people say, well, you're crazy. The travel's crazy. But I'm from out east where my shortest trip was four hours. So, right. Like I'm, I grew, I played when I played, yo man, every Friday, Saturday, I was on the road for four hours to go play. So anyone that complains to me, is like, you don't know what you're talking about. It's uh, perspective's interesting, right? When you come from a program that, that you have to travel and stuff like that. Like it's, it's interesting when people complain about two or three hour drives here. No, there's eight hour bus trips to Cape Breton from where I was. So that's <laughs> that. And that was, you had to go every year. So it's, it's what it is. Yeah. Um, okay, so you're working with uh, the Genesis boys and you coached the Edge team last year. Um, tell me about working with, you know, Edge's one or two preps uh, in Alberta here with West Coast Prep as well. Sonny and the boys up there and Ryan that do a great job and and obviously Eddie and his crew. Talk about, you know, you're a busy man doing all that stuff and now taking on with State. Are you still going to coach uh, Edge and Genesis as much as possible or, or how does that look? And then talk about working with those young athletes and and what you've kind of learned uh, through working with all these guys coming through the program. Uh, so unfortunately I'll have to leave edge just cause I'll be at state now. Right. Um, so that was a mixed, mixed emotions on that one. I think it was a good place for me to land, but I'll right. be able to continue my relationship with Genesis. And obviously with the off season, uh, it's a good spot for me, good recruiting tool, obviously to be in that environment. Yeah. Um, so I'll be continuing the edge and I'm happy that Eddie's been able to have me. Eddie's been, amazing for me since I moved to Calgary. So obviously uh, always going to stay there and be loyal to that. Um, these kids, like I never had what they had growing up. Like it was, this is, no, this is a whole new world. Like yeah. uh, facilities, like gym time, 24 seven, you got gym time all the time. You got weight rooms, you got trainers, you got physio in your building that you have access to. 
Um, and it just shows like there's a saying at Edge is like we 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 provide the vehicle, but you can either drive it or get in the backseat. And basically we talk about you're 16, 17 years old, 18 years old for some of these postgrads. If you want to use all the resources here and utilize the coaching staff, you have the potential to go somewhere. Right. If you don't, you want to sit in the back seat and just go along for the ride and say, I play here. That's your prerogative. And that's, we'll, we'll love you the same. You're still part of our family, but you're not going to get to where you want to get. Um, right. And I just like, there's some kids that really, really bought in and I've been able to close relationships with them. And I'm excited to see where they end up. Like there's some young, young kids who have unlimited potential that obviously I'll be, I'll be there with my state Trojans uh, gear on say, hey, <laughs> but I think some of them got some D one potential and high U sports. So obviously I'll be in that environment recruiting, but I think, I think a lot of them have some big things ahead of them for sure. We got to uh tour. You weren't back yet. I don't think we got, uh, our wrestlers club team got put in the gold pool, I think in the good hoops. So we got to no, see, yeah, how many dunks we must have. We must have had a, a dozen dunks on us. So we're playing above, but it's, you know, it's our it, boys were poster boys for the good hoops. Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Just all <laughs> getting dunked up, but you know, it's great to see where basketball is going, especially in the West. It, it's really starting to grow. And, and I grew up in a very small town uh, as a hockey player. So I didn't start basketball till very late. Um, it is cool to see that we are catching up to the hockey model, the prep model. Uh, there's more opportunities for kids and just seeing like all the travel that you guys are doing. Um, it's quite phenomenal um, for these young athletes. Like you said, it, it just wasn't there back yeah. in the day. It didn't exist. Like we did a team camp to Gonzaga and that was like, it felt like you're in another world. Yeah, like, sure. but uh, um, okay. I got one more here and I'll let Tori wrap, but uh best gym or gym you like playing in the most since being in the ACAC outside of your guys is obviously. Mm. Oh, wow. I, I will say that the best shooting games we've had were at Ambrose. Okay. As far as our guys shoot the ball really well in that gym. Um, and it's because of like the hot, like, you know, the hot, you know, when you get playing those high school, smaller Tight. gyms, no really back like the walls against the back of their net a little bit so there's no depth perception issues our guys always shot well there uh pretty small but obviously at playoffs it kind of sense like for how small it was it just felt like that felt like the old school american high school games where it was packed people are standing right. the environment was crazy when we won those games it was like wow so that was probably the the funnest gym i played in um Obviously, Red Deer is beautiful, but yep. they're that's I can't give them too much credit. We, we don't we don't like going to we don't like going to Red Deer. Um, <laughs> we played there last year, and uh, my girls are like, "Oh my gosh, this facility is nice." I'm like, "Yeah, let's get out of here. Let's, <laughs> yeah, let's get back yeah, on the bus." Makes, makes you feel bad about what you got. Um, yeah, and then obviously our home gym before last year, our, our home gym was nothing beats it. I think really yep. home court advantage on that gym. So. Um, and then everyone everyone can dunk in that gym for some reason. So it's just you know, springy, springy. Everyone feels good about themselves before the game. So that's awesome. Uh, do you want to talk about the playoff structure? Uh, yeah. So I guess this being your second year, so you've seen this is kind of my SMT kind of straw poll that I'm running through the podcast here. Um, playoff format last year, we went to uh, final eight um, with the. Uh, play in games to get to the final eight. Um, so that's the way it had been done in the past. It was just final eight, top four, go 
you know, do the tourney. Uh, this year we're moving to a final four, which, which I don't mind the final four. Um, what I'm advocating against strongly is the fact that only two North and two South teams come out to play each other in the final four. Um, just this is year 15 for me being around the league so much. Um, quite often three of the best teams are in one conference. Um, so I would prefer if once we got to the top eight teams that they crossed over to get to the final four. Um, is there any thoughts and, you know, even your university experience thoughts on our playoff format or what you would like to see um, going forward? You're not going to get your hand slapped on this. We'll talk to uh, Wade. I'll tell him I set you up on this. I mean, like, I think it's cool that they're trying different things. I think they're trying to find whatever works the best. Uh, like you said, there is times where maybe, maybe there's four teams in the same conference that are better than, yeah. right? It's, I think you, it's tough with that. Um, obviously, I think the play-in structures are, those are the things that I've never been around, the whole play-in. Obviously, the NBA adopted it however many years ago. Um, but coming from out east, like, top six made it. Like, top two yeah. got a bye, bottom four played. Like, if you if you didn't get into the playoffs, like, you didn't get into the playoffs. Um, so that was a new thing for me. Like, the you, you've earned to get to a third, four seed, and now I got to play. Well, I've, I've earned my right to get here. But I get it to give everyone a chance. And sometimes the way it is, people are so close in standings that you have to play that game. Uh, so that one's a little bit different, but I don't really have many thoughts on it. I'll play whatever they, they want me to play. Uh, I think they are trying to figure out the best way to get the best players playing at that time of the year. So best teams, best players, what you want. That's a pretty easy answer, Tori, since they win every year. So uh, note that down. Doesn't affect State at all. They're just going to come win. No, I was, I was saying to Chris that back in Australia, um, you earn what you get and the top two automatically get a bike because they've earned that um i definitely i grew up with that so i like that so it's nice to see someone else has played that system but no outside of that um yeah i don't really have anything else but just yeah thank you for coming on i was definitely looking forward to this chat someone to take over from a dynasty um then obviously yeah taken over from that to see where you guys are going to go this season i'm super pumped to see how you do this year and Having big time names return for you guys. Yeah. Like Chris said, look out, look and, out. Yeah. And just so you know, coach, before we let you go, um, everyone still circles you guys as a favorite so far. So yeah. you haven't, you haven't took the bullseye off. Um, so I think it, it, it will be a fun first go for you with the bullseye. I, I think it's going to be enjoyable. Um, I mean, I think I've expected that a little bit. I, <laughs> like I said, I thank Marty for that. It's Marty's brought like Marty love you, but hate you a little bit. For, for, <laughs> But uh, kudos to him for everything he's done. And obviously he was a big uh, person for me to, to push me into this role. And I'd have countless conversations about taking over. So he thinks if he thinks I'm ready, then obviously I'm going to do everything in my power to put us in the right position. And uh, you're, you're going to do a great circle job. Circle our name. We'll be, we'll be looking forward to it. <laughs> you're going to do a great job. So coach, thanks for having you on. And uh We'll chat with you again once the preseason starts, but until then, enjoy the rest of the summer and uh, catch that flight. Yeah, I'll get there right now. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Uh, always a pleasure. Talk again. No problem. Thanks, Coach. Tori, I got to say one thing, coaching, talking to Coach uh, Daly is he's fired up. He's got a lot of energy. I'm fired up to see what he's going to do. Uh, just passionate about basketball. Yeah. 
For sure. And it was awesome to get his point of view from being an assistant coach with what State were able to do with the playoff and obviously national championship run. But excited to see the people that he's got returning, especially South Player of the Year, Marcus Masters returning, uh, Quo, who was a big piece to them last season. And I'm sure he's got some sneaky additions coming in this coming season. So, yeah, you can't <coughs> ever knock down State. No, and uh, as he said a couple times, he's got some big shoes to fill. He's got the ghost of Marty looking over his shoulder. So uh, we'll see how Coach does, but I suspect they will be in the mix come the end of the year. Tori, we're going to move on to our conversation with Coach Bill Bradley here. Bill obviously up in Grand Prairie right now getting ready for his season. Uh, I believe his team's coming in right away for practice. So let's listen to our conversation with Coach Bill Bradley, the head coach of the Northwest Polytechnic Women's Wolves. Welcome to this edition of Hold My Clipboard. Uh, today's guest is the Northwest Polytechnic women's head coach, Bill Bradley. Bill's been the head coach there now for five years, including the COVID run. Uh, before that, he was an assistant coach at uh, McEwen University for five years. So, Coach, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I've actually been looking forward to this. I'm kind of excited. It's been a minute since I got a real interview, so... <laughs> There you go. So if you want, after this, we can send it to your guys' newspaper, radio, whoever, whoever needs it. Because we're struggling with the same thing. I think since COVID, the smaller centers that used to get pretty good media, now it just, it's not there at all. Absolutely. Absolutely. And our local, the Grand Prairie local newspaper, I think they stopped doing print. They went completely digital. So I think their coverage is a little bit smaller than it used to be as well. Yeah. And uh, if it's like ours, everyone gets an equal treatment. So if you get a story, you're probably not getting one for like six months. I can tell you, I can say this because I know no one's going to hear it on our local media, but uh, I feel your pain. So it's it's exciting for me and Tori to get to talk hoops with you, uh, especially this time in the summer when, uh, you know, we're all in and out of the camp life. Oh, yeah. I'm in slip flops right now. <laughs> yeah. You're ready to go. So um, right now, this time of year, are you guys busy running camps or what's what's the process up there in uh, Grand Prairie right now? Right now, it's the office is quiet. It's empty. I mean, a lot of our work we can do remotely. Like we, we've got deadlines of paperwork to do. So making sure all of our scholarship offers, our itineraries for travel are completed. So it's a lot of just that diligent work that makes the season go smoother in terms of the team they're all training and you know we have our our strength and conditioning that they get sent out but uh, we have training camp actually this weekend so we've got 14 of 17 coming in for the weekend to do some training see where we're at that is awesome we uh we did the same thing two weekends ago uh about the same percentage and it's nice for us perimeter schools to just touch base with the athletes, um, just just to get them on the same page. So before we jump into last year, how many of the girls are around your area right now? Like, are they coming from far away for this weekend for a little training camp, or what's it looking like? It's honestly of those fourteen, it's almost fifty fifty. I, I probably have six to seven local, or you know, within an hour commute to get to Grand Prairie, and then seven that are Edmonton or further out. Uh, I, I have Brooke Forsyth. Uh, she's coming from Medicine Hat. She's probably my furthest one right now. That'll be a drive. And and Friday, Saturday, Sunday for the girls, or what's the itinerary look like for them? 
We're going to go Friday, Saturday, Sunday is that flex day because a lot of them are working two jobs this summer. I don't know what's going on, inflation or what. <laughs> yeah. A lot, you know, uh, that, that they're all working. So a lot of them are going to have to go home Saturday night, but we're trying to put together a scrimmage, you know, get some of the, the alumni, women's league players, things like that, and, and get a little scrimmage in for Sunday. Yeah, well, anytime you can get them to play, I think that's great uh, in the summer. And we we did a little 5v5 stuff, but uh, we don't have the alumni around like you guys do. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I told Tori, I'm like, hey, listen, if we don't have enough to go, me, you, Marissa, we'll play fives. And um, well, I don't, don't need to work. The open, open gym, you know, weekly booking, and we invite – anyone that wants to play out and last week like i i had to step in so that we had three on three and like i am just setting screens that's it don't rely on me for much else i used to do that that's what grand prairie does well was like yeah yeah the open gym times because i remember ali program who plays for us is from Byzantine. yeah she used to go out with yeah grand prairie all the time so you guys do a really good job of that well and 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 you know, I forget who was saying on the podcast, but we're talking about gyms and they were talking about coming up to you guys. The th- one of the things that I don't think people realize is how big your gym is uh, in terms of like, you know, when you're going up to Grand Prairie, you're thinking, okay, it's a long trip. The gym's really nice. The gym's and, and the last, the last time or maybe the time before, I think Francois took me back to your guys' strength and conditioning area, which is amazing that you guys have that kind of athlete strength and conditioning area. So you know, there's a lot of perks. It's kind of a hidden gem up in uh, Northwest Polytech. And now you guys got the cool, cool logoing and two cool colors to go with it. So, uh, yeah, I like, yeah. I like the branding, but people are always surprised when they go to your gym, how nice it is. When I first got the job, you know, one of the, one of the pieces of advice I got from our athletic director at the time was if you can get a recruit on campus, you can sign them. Yeah. Like it, it's the problem is getting them up here for that visit. But once they see, like, like you say, our high performance center and the gym and our facilities, you know, even our residence is a, is a yeah. great selling point for us. So again, it's just getting them up here. Yeah. Yeah. And always the struggle when you're a premier school. And I was, I was talking to Reagan about this, you know, it, it just feels like there's, well, there is, there's more athletes kicking around Edmonton and Calgary and they fall through the cracks of university or whatever. And you look at like Robbie's team at Concordia, he's done a great job of getting those university bounce backs where, you know, you, us, Keanu, Medhat, like we have to actively pursue kids to come here. And it, it, it does take a certain athlete to go to our institutions. Um, they have to want to go there, right? So um, it's not like, hey, three minute drive, come check out Concordia or Nate tonight. It's it's a different deal. So um, credit, credit to you guys building that roster. But we want to talk about last year uh, first. So last year was a, a, a rebuild process, right, where everyone's still dealing with this coming out of COVID. And uh, I really felt coming out of COVID, there was the teams that carried all their older players, and we were lucky enough to be one of those. And then there was the teams that almost had to reboot out of COVID and restart everything. And, and you guys were one of those programs right now where you're rebooting and restarting. Um, this season was a bit of a struggle. I'll let you talk us through that, but I do want to talk about uh, beating Med Hat because that was a pretty big game and uh, the girls were pretty excited on that one. So talk us through the year and and the focus uh, as the season went on with the girls that you had in the program. 
Absolutely. Uh, when you talk like, you know, that reboot, that coming out of COVID, it is, it's strange to me to think, okay, because you, you have to have that recruited plan. Okay. What do I need? Where are the pieces? Who am I pursuing? Who's, you know, on my recruit board, but we didn't know if we were going to have a season or what that transition season was going to look like. So when I was recruiting, I, I couldn't, I couldn't go out and recruit and say, move away, move away from home and your support system, move four to eight hours to a city you've never lived in on the up chance, maybe there's a season. Yeah. And like, I, I don't think I could live with that. If, if somebody left, came to school here, we go online and they're isolated in those dorms with, with no Sunday dinner. Oh, I'll just pop in a mom's house and it's fine. Right. So even coming out of that COVID season, the recruit was, I I'm taking locals. I'm going to build this core and outside of Michaela Porteous, who wouldn't take no for an answer. <laughs> she was coming whether I wanted her or not. And so she moved up here from Okotoks. Um, so that was kind of where we were coming out of that COVID and into that transition season. So last season, like building off of that and with those parts, um, it, it was it was tough, frustrating from a coaching perspective. But I found those the players that were here wanted to be here. They were, there's no entitlement. Like I got workhorses. And so they wanted nothing more than to like be their best and like anything I could help to make them their best. Like we were working together very well. So, I mean, when Medicine Hat came, I mean, we circled that in the calendar. We looked at the, you know, record and looked at ours and said, okay, if there's, there's winnable games and some payoff in this season, it's going to be that game. And that game like took and like they they came out thinking the same thing. So right. It was a real battle of attrition. And unfortunately, you know, it went our way that day. But um when we met prior to the game, we were comparing like who has more recruits. Like how many first years do you have? Well, I got more. And I was like, yeah, but I got a higher percentage of first years. Right. Like I got seven of 11. You might have nine, but. Right. Well, and it's, it's so, it's so funny when you're in that stage because uh, us prepping for you guys and watching you guys on tape. The one thing that I noticed last year with your team is you guys could hang quarter, half, like you guys could hang with anyone because of that work ethic. You could tell the girls worked really hard. They could make it hard to score. You know, there was there was games when you're watching on tape that you guys are in it. It just didn't have the 40 minutes of talent, right? And the depth, and that happens in the rebuild. But um, I think from our side, we weren't really surprised with the with the Med Hat win um, because watching on tape and even playing you guys the last few years, like from my side of things, is you can never come in there thinking you're just going to show up. You're going to have to earn it. And I think that's like a credit to how hard your girls play and and when you're struggling to get those W's, they have to believe in their coach to play hard like that. So credit to you guys and your program for getting them to play like that. Agree, Torth? For sure. Uh, so <laughs> over, so that game in particular um, stood out. Like who you're, with a win, you know who's obviously going to step up and whatnot. And three players in particular 
um, were visible in that game. We had obviously your leading scorer, Raylene Badger, who I was fortunate enough to play against and was, yeah, in her first year when I was in my fifth year, played against her and she took some massive steps this past season, um, averaged basically 12 points a game in only her second year. Um, talk about her development and how she's been to coach as, as yeah, a young upcoming player. Raylene is it, it just natural, right? Like she could have played volleyball. She probably could have been a runner. She could have been anything because it all just looked very natural for her and, and easy. So when you're coaching somebody like that, it, it sometimes it's, um, it's a little bit difficult because I, I think, oh, let's let's add this to your toolbox or add that in. And when it doesn't come like very quickly, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, no, you're still a learning athlete. You're still young and, and developing. And so taking those times to, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll work on this, you know, move or this aspect of your game or athleticism. But she's, it's very easy to coach her because things just, come like I say very naturally for her which is again makes my job easy yeah for sure and then just looking through your roster another big thing is like Chris mentioned before you guys are extremely young yeah just going from past season it was the third years that were your oldest which is basically unheard of and we talk about like successful teams in the league being older you guys are extremely young um you mentioned before that you're bringing kids in for a training camp this weekend and he said you got 14 out of 17 uh correct me if i'm wrong but your squad last year you had 11 yes 11 and one of them i think Alyssa went down i think if Alyssa's in that number she went down with an acl in preseason so That's right away we're down to 10 yeah yeah how uh how's recruiting been like in the off season obviously you guys haven't had an import in previous years? Is that something that you've looked to or are you sticking with the Canadian local roster? The That is a great question. And it's one that like we bounce back and forth. Like all of our coaches' offices are in the same hallway. So like you're always asking like, who are you, you, who are you bringing it? Where are they from? And stuff like that. But my opinion on the bringing in an international is the same way I look at football and running backs. You got to have a good team ready to go. And then you go find that stud running back that just completes it. For me to go out and find that stud international, if my team's not ready to make that run at playoffs, then, you know, they might come in and say, Oh, this is what I thought I'm out or they transfer next year. Like if I'm going to ask somebody again to move away from their support system and to a country they're unfamiliar with and pay the international cost of tuition, I want to have them to come into a good situation in, in basketball kind of terms anyway. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point because me being an international, I know if I came into a team and it probably didn't go the way I wanted to, you would naturally just look at other options. So, yeah, for sure. Really good point. It almost didn't go the way you wanted to, by the way. 
just just so we're clear. No, I, I think that's a great point. So small roster last year, bigger roster this year. Um, before we get into specific recruits, um, what excites you about having a large roster? It seems like um, the COVID bump is real. It seems like most college teams are carrying 15 plus kids right now. Um, it is tough managing anytime you're more than 13 because someone's not playing. Um, your expectation having a larger roster, obviously more fun in practice because you're going to be able to do a lot more things. Uh, what are you looking forward to with that roster and, and what worries you a little? The biggest thing is like the last two seasons, like we played games with seven. Like, and when you talk about like we couldn't push to that 40th minute, like, there's a reason why. When, oh, we're, we, you got a kid in foul trouble and now your bench is down to one sub, like it makes it really difficult. So having, and I don't think my roster is bloated by any stretch at 17. Um, Alyssa is still like rehabbing from ACL. Um, there are some young, like some kids that have to development to like develop to a certain level before they're going to be ready for the college game. So, and we're always going to see sickness. We're always going to see injuries. You're always going to just have those unfortunate incidents where, Hey, am I going to have to have conversations with five to six players every week and say, sorry, you're not playing, you're not dressing that. Probably, but I doubt it'll be as often as I, I think it's going to be. So Are you, we'll, we'll see. So you had a couple of freshmen in particular, Abby Crown and Paige Snyder, who pay, played quite big minutes and big roles last season. So with you bringing in a big roster, do you think you will see maybe a couple of players not hit the floor as often as they might like? And well, would that be something you would be looking at dealing with this this season, having a bigger roster? I hold a question, loaded question, right? Yeah. Now, right? <laughs> I almost guarantee somebody's not going to be satisfied. Like you were a player, and I'm sure there were games, practices, decisions that coach made that you were not satisfied with. Now, whether they voice that, I I, I don't. Um, we have generally like good communication and good relationships where if there's something that, that, you know, I'm coaching a certain way, they feel safe enough to, Hey coach, I'm not responding to that kind of feedback and things of that. But if they don't like the minutes they're getting or the role that they're filling currently, again, I, I think they would feel safe enough or confident enough to have that conversation with me. But again, that's the lovely part about being the coach is, well, I'm not doing this because I don't like you. I see you in this role so that you can be successful for us to be successful. So it's never like a hard conversation where, yeah, you're not getting the minutes because I don't like you as a human being. So I'm sure somebody will be, you know, unhappy that they're not dressing, especially, um, Often we're, well, we're going to Edmonton. I'm from Edmonton. Am I dressing this week, coach? Sorry, because of matchups, probably not going to happen. That's a tougher you know, situation, but that's the job we chose. So, And then I have to ask, because for me as a player, I always had leaders that were older. Um, and as you said, 
it's like an even playing field, the, there's a spread of the load or whatnot. But how is that within the culture? Does everybody, obviously each team has captains, but with having such a young core, does, are the kids more so coming together as a collective unit to bind to the one goal or do you still have those one or two alpha people who step up and kind of lead the team as well? I would, and it's almost, I'm giving you the outsider's view, right? I'm not the player. I'm not, I can only see what I think, Yeah. but it really feels like in game, our, our younger players defer to, you know, our, our Gracie Reschke's and uh, our Michaela's, our Ray's, they defer to those leaders that have played some minutes and, and have been around. But in practice, uh, we really push for everybody to find find a place to be a leader and to find a voice and to use your voice. Um, so um, Alex Mills came in last year as a recruit and quiet kid. Just it's easy to hide when, oh, we have 20 on the roster and you're one of four first years. You cannot hide in a team of 11 with seven first years. So a kid like Mills comes in and she's, you know, trying to hide and you, you, you aren't able, you have to have the, and now like very vocal, she has no problem having those conversations in the game and practice and, and using her voice. So I really like that. That's worked for us, but that experience, you know, I'm happy that they're speaking and they're vocalizing and they're leading each other. But like, like you said in the interview with Coach Avery, experience does a lot of things for for you as players. Well, you're getting there because you're. I would assume you're bringing back the core of last year's team. You're not losing anyone big. Um, I assume Michaela and Raylene are both returning. Correct. Yeah. Both going into their third year, played quite a handful of minutes in the first two years. So you have those two who basically would be relying on leading the pack. Um, so you are going in the right direction, but how, how has your off season looked like? How? Yeah. That did not work that well. <laughs> yeah. Could you uh, elaborate? Which how has your, how has your off season looked like with um, adding pieces to the team? Because you have a big six, two forward in Paige Snyder. What kind of, I guess, what kind of players are you looking for to add to your team? This year in recruitment, um, I wanted to get, I wanted to get bigger. I mean, we've heard that where you got to get, but I, I can't find another page. I, you know, I'm searching, but six to, you don't come across on a day-to-day basis, right? Unless... I go and look at the volleyball camp that's running because the, there's plenty. There's a hundred, hundred out there probably. <laughs> All yeah, walking around can jump and run, right? Yeah. Oh. So uh, I brought in the one, two, three, four, four recruits that are, you know, in that five, ten to six foot, long, athletic uh, type of kids that – Okay, can you guard the perimeter? Can you 
Can you handle the ball a little bit? Not that traditional um, back to the basket kind of center, but we're just a little bit longer, a little bit taller this year. So um, that that was a focus for me. And then um, then you're just rounding out. Okay, where where do I need more depth? Okay, where where are we lacking? Scoring was a big place we lacked last year. So okay. You're going out watching high school kids, and who just has that natural scoring ability? Well, and and I think that that size, you know, uh, Megan talked about it, um, and when we talked to Brian, Brian made it pretty clear to us that like his goal is to just be universally athletic. The one thing I would say in the last few years on the ACAC side is you're seeing the body types switch from the smaller body types. Now to more youth sportish, like there's a lot more five eight to five eleven athletes on the floor than it used to be. You know when I played in the early two thousands, where there was a lot of like on the girls side, a lot of like five five, like Tori size, a lot of five fives in under flying around. And now you're seeing those bigger bodies come over. And I gotta assume with you adding pieces like that, you're gonna find that defensively it adds a little bit. Your rebounding it adds a little bit, right? And it makes up for the lack of skill that you need to develop. Right, the the skill takes time to develop, but when you have that frame, it's such a big piece. So, does that with adding those athletes, does it allow you, you think, probably to do some different things offensively or defensively next year, just with the more depth and the and the length that you're adding? Absolutely. I, I mean, if you got Swiss Army knives at you know five eleven, like in my mind, but there's always going to be those. Okay, Moya is like how do you guard that i don't care like she she's a matchup okay i got a six foot kid you're not a match you you cannot guard her she she's too strong for you so okay well i need somebody with some strength and some size okay well now you have bill j yes it's four and and that european style okay well now you can't guard that you know so there's always going to be just matchup you know, that chess game going back and forth and, okay, what do they have? What do I need to counter it? I don't know, but. I, don't, I actually don't think going forward, though, that ACAC, now that those players are gone, they're graduated, I actually think that we might have a new influx of um, players that are not posts. I actually think we're going more towards, like, the 5'8", 5'11", type guard style yeah, play. Four stretch fours, yeah. a five. And but I think it's really, if you recruit, as a ACAC school, especially in Alberta, a six foot plus solid post. I don't know what you're doing because they usually get snapped up by youth sports schools. It is so hard to find a solid post. Whereas like you'll see BC schools or Ontario schools just with these beast players. And it's like, we, we don't have that. Well, not at the moment anyways. I got to think like for Bill's side, I tell me if I'm wrong, Bill, uh, one, you're very similar to ours. Basketball isn't uh, booming. It's growing in your area. It's growing in our area. Yeah. But you just don't see a ton of those athletes on, in our area. They're playing volleyball. Those athletes are playing volleyball. The girls' side. Yeah, on the girls' side. is declining massively. Yeah. Is it the same up there? Like girl, like the big girls are playing volleyball for the most part, or are they playing both? Do you see? What's, what's it look like up in the north? No, it is, and I think the pendulum swings back and forth. But we're definitely, I think, all the way to one side right now with with the volleyball, where there there's a lot of clubs 
And like the club system through COVID, a lot of our basketball clubs didn't survive. Like a lot of them just dropped off and stopped, but the volleyball clubs seem to be able to maintain and keep operating. So there, there's a lot of, of kids in that development. And, you know, I talked to, you know, some of the taller kids that are playing locally in Grand Prairie basketball and they, they've chosen, they're like, no, I, I, I played it in junior high and then I had to walk away. So like they were in that sport to begin with. And then even Paige Snyder, she she was a volleyball player, yeah. and I give her hell every time she wears her like, <laughs> vo- like Westlock volleyball, Harvest <laughs> Tables volleyball shirt into practice. Like you're, you're basketball now. Yeah, and and reality is, you know, we have five youth sports schools, and then we have fifteen ACAC schools. So you know. It is crazy when you look at us compared to BC or Manitoba or Sa- like Saskia's two universities and Manitoba has, you know, three and now they have their kind of MCAT running. So it it is it is tough uh, in general recruiting those bigger bodies. But I want to switch gears to this because it's something that keeps coming up and I tell everyone, you can't ever complain about travel until you talk to Grand Prairie Keanu at Half Progress. So... Knowing that you always, in the old school schedule, north on north, you still had the most travel. Now we're in the north-south um, playing everyone. Give me your thoughts. you like the north-south? Do you not like it? How does it affect your your team, this group, seeing the schedule? It's, for me, like it is, for me personally, I, I enjoy going to other people's barns. I love like, oh, I've never been to Med Hat. Okay, I'm gonna go there this year and and see, you know, what their campus looks like and how their gym is and stuff like that. And and meet the Calgary coaches. Like, otherwise, it's twice a year over the Zoom in the league balls. You're like, I'll never get to meet these guys. So, um, I took I stole a page out of your book. And as coaches would come to play us here, I would always open invitation. Hey, after the game, you want to go get dinner? I don't know, you know, or if you go watch film or you watch the men's game. But I was just trying to, like, just Great meet. Bond. Yeah, you know, uh, too too often it's where, well, that's, you know, they're competing for the same trophies, the same recruits. Like, you guys are my enemies. And I'm like, well, no, we're, we're counterparts and contemporaries and nobody knows our struggles except each other. We should be, you know, having these conversations and, you know, taking time to spend time with each other. But uh, I'm getting off your, your question here. So the oh. travel, I, I, I enjoy it. And then when I look at the basketball side of it, that's, I start to have a few more struggles with it just for recovery. Like, hey, we, we got to play Calgary today. Then we got to get to Lethbridge. So we're driving tonight right after the game or we're going to get up early. Recovery is huge for me. So those kinds of logistical things bother me, but the travel itself doesn't, doesn't hurt me all that much. Yeah. And and the days have changed. I got a couple points, Tori, I got to come back to on this. This is, this is good. Um, I believe that oh man that travel that bus ride I just think because Grand Prairie would have broken down in the bus every year we have bus okay. problems up there yeah it's like <laughs> volleyball this year in Fox Creek like they were waiting for us all right get on 
<laughs> yeah, and you know what? I think it's different now, though, because these guys all have phones. They have iPads. They're watching movies. The travel isn't as bad. Um, the recovery thing, I think, valid point, um, just for this, the stiffening up. Um, but I'm such a huge fan of seeing all the teams, all the different styles of play. I don't think we necessarily need to play you four times. Two is probably good, you know? Like, um, I always felt the third game is real tough, and by the fourth game, you're, like, fringing on bad blood at that point, no matter who you're playing and no matter what the score is. So uh, I'm with you on the travel piece. And going back to your point about the page under my book, so I need to make that clear. So that was when I started head coaching. That was something Phil was very adamant about because um, Phil – of course, couldn't keep his hands out of any pot. So Phil would come down and give me lectures just like I was a player, which I love because he's such a good speaker. But um, one of the things that we try to do, and we did it with with you and with Dwayne and the guys all the time, is uh, whoever comes here, we go out for wings or supper after or we do breakfast on one of the mornings. And I think that's really important doing the long travel. And it's made me closer with you and with Dwayne, especially because we do that all the time. And now that we have the South coaches, it's awesome that we get to meet them and chat with them because, you know, you never know who you're going to link up with that has the same roster problems or the same academic problems or the same scholarship problems. So I want to give credit to Phil on that. And Tori, I know you guys as players just go do your thing, but uh, afterwards is a very important social piece for us uh, so we can all complain equally about our kids. So understand that, Luke. Yeah, we listen, no matter, no matter... No matter the team, we all got to air out our grievances right there where it's safe. So, yeah, that's something Bill and I do and Evan. And, you know, it's great when both squads get to come out and Trey gets to join us and stuff. I think it's I think it's a pretty cool thing. And I will always do that. Absolutely. And this year, having Megan take over the Augustana job, like I, I don't think me and her had seen each other since we were both assistants at McEwen. Right, right. So once she was up here, I was like, "We're we're going for dinner for sure." That's great. No, and it's it's so cool to revitalize those connections. I, I think that part's really cool. Now, the second piece to this um, is something, and this is uh, just me on my soapbox here about the new playoff format. So, um, I, hey, listen, I'm gonna ask everyone about this once, and then I'm gonna leave it and do all the work for the ACAC after. So. Um, I don't mind the playing games. I don't mind the playing games. I'm okay with it. Um, I think I like more value on the season, but I'm okay with five, six playing. What I don't like is the play down three versus six, four versus five in the north. Winners of that play one and two in the north, and only two north teams play two south teams in the final four. So this year with the final four, my only beef, I can live with the final four. I just don't think that two north teams and two south teams should be there. I think it should be a crossover once you get to the final four on each side crossing over now what's your thoughts unbiased thoughts on, on that because obviously i'm always thinking competitive advantage and how can we get our best team to nationals and i think that's a really important thing that the acc has done the last few years we've actually like nailed it on getting our really good teams there um thoughts from your side on the playoffs how it's set up right now the playoffs um i, I agree with the final four like that makes sense to me and we're trying to like could anybody come up with any reason in any specific year on, well, I don't like this because it doesn't suit me or it, pro or it probably will play out for my best interest? Yes. But in terms of getting our best teams out to nationals, I think that that makes the most amount of sense. The biggest problem 
that like I've seen arise is again going to recovery and travel is oh we have the play-in game and then we have to be in the next city to play you know the higher seed like we're okay. just never get off the bus and um coach Evan will probably speak to this a little bit more because he experienced it like okay we got the playing game the last two years he's been on the road at playoffs just like hustling back and forth and stuff like that so that and do I want it to be like, well, it's going to take three weeks to get through playoffs? No, nobody wants that. But right. just logistically, just, hey, we've got a day to to get there or to move to the next game. Like maybe we just have to start in a, inside of the week. And we'll always argue school academics and things of that nature. But that that's the major hangup I have with it. Sure. I'm going off track here, but just uh, I just question: Are you returning the same assistant coaches as last year? I hope to. Yes, uh, Megan Belcourt has been um, a huge uh, piece of like taking our training to like uh, just coming as a five-year player, and she still has an ability to like get on the court and, and, and show players and things of that nature. So she's been exceptional addition to our coaching staff and Carly Phillips, who was the, she's been a carryover for the last three coaches, I believe previously to me. And like she coaches in the high school system in the city and, you know, just a, a vast knowledge. And if, if I'm like, need to know about a recruit in the area. She's like, oh, I, I teach her Spanish. I know exactly what, what her plans are and stuff like that. So just having those those assistants has been like invaluable to me. You answered my question for me because that's what I was going to ask was having Megan Belcourt as a, an alumni who played her majority of college career. Obviously, she finished at Nate, but yeah, majority of her career at when it was Grand Prairie, um, yeah, you touched on what it's been like for her, but talk about having an alumni back as an assistant coach. It is, it's, it's so helpful because again, I'm not a player. I'm not a former player. I've never played women's basketball in my life. And having somebody that has that experience and has seen the floor from that point of view helps me to communicate what it is we're trying to do just a little bit more effectively. And at the same time, like she has that point of view where she's like, coach, what if this happens or what should we do in this scenario? Or what's the plan B? And I'm oh yeah, great question. Never thought about it from there. So like, again, when I talk about like, uh, how the first years have to develop their voice. I try to foster like open and constant communication with, with my assistants. Um, if, if they bring an idea up and we're in practice, like I give them that opportunity. Okay. Flex your coaching muscle. Now go out, teach it. Use your voice. I'll stop practice and I'm not going to top up or I'm not going to 
okay, now that she said it, the head coach has got to say it now too. Like, no, you don't get to coach this thing that you saw. So, um, absolutely. Having her there has been a great help for me. And she obviously wasn't just an okay player. She was a, she was a very, a very good player, very yeah. solid player. But I guess the final, one of my final things to talk about here is I had the privilege of, I think, three out of my five years coming up to Grand Prairie and uh, you guys were hosting the Make Some Noise round and you guys had all the bikes at the end of the floor oh, uh, right. doing all that stuff. And it was by far, I think you guys did the best Make Some Noise round. Um, you guys are able to get a lot of people in riding on the bike for however long they, however distance they go for and however long they go for. But is that just all community support, like people you get from the community? Is it people within the school? Because that turnout for the Make Some Noise round, you guys do an awesome job of that. That is, I mean, it's put together. A lot of it is, you know, background work from our athletic department be our event coordinator or the athletic managers, office admin, like people are always working well ahead of those events to, okay, how many bikes are we going to need? Who's doing registration? All those kinds of things. So they really, and then they, they push for it and they, you know, we're lucky that like our other teams support us. So like soccer, if they're out of season, they're on the bikes or volleyball has the rare buy, you know, while we're playing at home, like they're, they're on the bikes. But the, the other part of that is outside the college. And that is our alumni and not just Wolves alumni, but formerly Grand Prairie Regional College and currently Northwestern Polytechnic, the, the college's alumni. These are former students, not athletics former instructors that come out and there's just a a love for this building and events like that bring bring them out and like i'd love to see them i spoke on the last podcast i think because i think your gym is awesome i think it's beautiful you guys have great facilities there but on the webcast when you're watching kind of looks like an old gym and you come in and you are pleasantly surprised with how good it looks. That's that tinge. That's that second glass, I think, sometimes. Yeah. That's it, because, yeah, watching it on, on the cast, I don't know if it's just like we put the sepia tone on it. Or, you know, so... and, and granted, like, it's a big, a big gym. So when you're filming it, like, we have the pipe and drapery behind the benches and stuff like that. But it, it kind of makes it... Well, we're trying to make it look smaller and like it's a massive room that we have in there. Yeah. I guess on that, we've spoken a little bit about, I guess, rivalries and stuff like that. Do you guys see any other team to be a rival? Oh, good. Nice question. So like the North teams were always going to say like the, the fact that we were playing each other four times a year, like, you, you build the scout and you're like, okay, we're going to the piano and man, like it's tough to play there. And you, the, they're like the, the staff that they have sweeping in the key, like they chirp us. I'm not even your, your staff is chirping us up here. Like it's always a tough bar. And then you go into Nate and you're like, 
oh, it's they build the house and it, it it's tough to play in there. Like there's always going to be, I think the the northern teams, but there's nobody I root for more than the northern teams come playoffs. Like that's that's who I want to see be successful. So it's oh, to- only a rivalry, but it, it's it's just a little bit of you know respect for those that we see most often as well. Yeah, like playing in the north because it was just north and south when I played, but we would say that Nate would have been our biggest rivals back when I was playing. But then in playoffs, and obviously Nationals and they were there, there wasn't anyone that was cheering for them loud enough than us. And it's like in season, yeah. we're trying to kick their ass. We want to we want to face them, but then yeah, come playoffs and even the Nationals, yeah, there's you're always cheering for the teams in your conference. I find there's always teams that you like you rise up for like we never play Concordia very well like we just go out and we just kind of seem flat whenever we play them and then I'm like we come up against Keato we know it's going to be a battle and everybody just shows up for it I'm like good this we need more of this all the time yeah yeah and especially those teams that are so athletic and physical I I think it's that's the one thing that the old schedule of just playing each other four times did I think it built competitiveness, but and I didn't realize this until we started doing this podcast, is uh, how much the players interacted after the games because they're playing each other so much. Uh, social media, DMs, and stuff like that. And I think player-wise, built a lot of respect for each other. And I think coach-wise, you know, it also helps us build respect for each other, playing each other multiple times and seeing different things and stuff. So I was a little naive to how much the players talk. And I think It'll be interesting to see if that continues with this North-South now that we play some of these South teams that, other than a scouting report, they wouldn't know the players, right? Absolutely. And I hope and I hope it does, like, not to a level of, you know, tampering or bullying or stuff like that or, like, creating rivalry where there isn't. But again, the way I mentioned, as coaches, nobody knows the battles we go through except for other coaches, players student athletes the student body doesn't know what what they go through only other student athletes know that so that camaraderie that they can build throughout the league is is to their benefit i believe no i, I agree 100 percent. okay we're going to close on the last one here this is the million dollar question favorites next season who are you interested to see next season what teams are you kind of keeping an eye on uh, as we roll into September and into October when the season starts? Um, besides yourself, obviously. Besides myself, always focus on number one. Yes. And then I am... Um, I'm curious to see um, Augustana. To see, like, they had a great run, I think, Megan... Um, took over that team and just continued what Diedrich was, was moving towards. Um, you know, they're, the roster's going to look a little bit different, but okay, let's, I want to see you get back there. I want to see what this, you know, are, are you committed to like another push or is it, you know, so I, I'm curious to see what that, what that program looks like next year. Um, and then the second is Concordia. I again, I I didn't have them pegged for the run they went on last year, and 
man, like they, they were like, they were playing some great basketball. They were getting uh great production out of their players. And I, I want to see Robbie like continue that and uh, take a, take a good deep run at playoffs. I think that team, I know he's moved on uh, a couple of players, but I, I still think he's got, he's got good pieces to work with. And, uh, the unfortunate, you know, losing Harvey Christmas and then having an Oz injury late in the year and other yeah. things happen. It just, you know, I sent him, I think I sent him a text or an email, like, you know, I was, I was really rooting for him because I thought they were playing really great basketball before all those things fell apart. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm super interested to see how they rebound. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just, you know, that's the unfortunate part of college sport is at Christmas, you don't know what the second half can hold. Thank goodness we coach females, so it's a little more consistent than males. A little, a little bit. Uh, anyone in the South you got your eye on? In the South? Oh, it, it's one of those things where I I forget, oh, I have to pay attention to the South now. Like, it's a <laughs> consequence now. You have to pay attention. Um, Nobody that stands out. Oh, wait. Yes. Um, Old. Simply because, like, okay, coaches, it's a, it's going to be new coaches coming in. You know, they're, I I have invested interest because Caitlin Paul played uh, for us before she transferred to old. So, you know, we have that connection. So I'm curious to see, okay, well, who, who you're always, you know, looking over the fence. Hey, would they hire? Who, who, who's over here? Well, who got the job? Stuff like that. So. I'm curious um, to see what, what's next for that program under under new management. Yeah, and most likely a new roster too. And later, later on, it's tough to get the roster filled late. So, absolutely. Uh, uh, as a guy that got hired in July to my job, yes, that is a tough one. Yeah. So for that, uh, they should scratch your first year just right out. It is hired in July. I think I got hired in. May and I com- I was complaining like why even take this job because everyone signed already right so I I feel your pain on that but uh, it was uh, I was calling everybody that had been like cut or graduated I was like hey you want to come back what yeah. uh, <laughs> doing the homework doing the homework well Leo did the same <laughs> yeah yeah no for sure we do the same uh, well coach awesome talking with you uh, I'm excited with that core coming back and now as you guys kind of hit that second third year. I really do feel, uh, I always talk to my kids first year, you're like this, second year, a little bit, and then third year, start to figure it out. And so I think we're going to see some big growth from some of your players. Uh, I'm excited to watch it and we'll be up in your gym this year. So you're buying, um, just remember that. Um, but thanks for coming on. We I appreciate talking hoops anytime and I appreciate you taking the time to come and talk with me and Tori tonight. So thanks so much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I've been talking, I've been in NCCP courses for the last month. So I've just been swamped at talking shop. It's steady. Great. There you go. You're ready for the season now. You're ready for the season. Okay. Well, have a safe rest of the summer and we will see you during the season. Thank you very much, guys. Okay. Great, great talk with uh, Coach Bradley. Um, you know, it's exciting to talk hoops with him. He likes to talk hoops. He literally can talk about anything. Uh, one thing that's clear is that team is getting better. 
they're getting older. They're adding some pieces, and obviously they're going to have more depth this year. Um, I'm excited to see what develops as they hit this second, third year with a lot of these girls because now it really is becoming his program at this point. Yeah, so Coach decided to stay away from the international import side of things. He wants to recruit locally, which is great to get a good local core. But, yeah, expecting to see those second and third-year players step up uh, this season, especially the ones like Michaela Porteous and Raylene Badger who played big minutes and took on big roles this season. Now, Tori, to his point about bringing in an international when uh, they're not quite ready, how would you feel coming into a program um, that wasn't quite ready to win? How how would you feel about that? As an international, you don't want to come into a team that's obviously rebuilding and at a point of struggle. Um, not no disrespect to them, but yeah, you've got a one and twenty three record or whatever it was. Nineteen. Oh, sorry, you've got a one and nineteen record, and you want to be able as an international to come over away from home and be in a good situation. Not to say that I'm sure Grand Prairie is a great place to be, but um, yeah, you want to win, and especially the time away from home, you want to make that time worth it, and you want to see results. So I definitely understand where he is coming from on that side of things. Yeah, and I, I think uh, to his point, internationals are hard anyways. Uh, they're moving away from home. It's a different culture. The schooling's different. The basketball's different, right? Um, even the smoothest process is bumpy. Um, you know, we, we can look at your career, for example, right? It, the bumps that you went through, uh, in, especially your first year, but like any of the years, right? Um, and I think if we didn't have a strong program, you might have been like, peace. Next week, we'll be back on with two new guests as we continue to tour around the ACAC and finding out uh, a little bit more about each of the programs before the season starts. Reminder to everyone, you guys can find us on Spotify, on Apple, on YouTube. You can follow us on Instagram. Uh, Kim's putting together sick reels all the time. Until then, give us a like and a follow. Spread the good word of Hold My Clipboard. Tori, anything for us to leave on? Yeah, shout out to the Matildas in the World Cup. Go Australia. Go Australia.